Glory to God. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for faith in Christ Jesus. I welcome you to another episode of Every Day with Jesus podcast. And um, today we're going to continue from where we stopped yesterday and finish up the series um, this time. We'll come back to it some other time. There's a lot to still learn and explore about um, biblical discernment. So uh, today we're going to just lay it aside and then come back to it. On Monday we'll start a new series. I want you to be prepared for that also. Be open-minded. God's word is powerful. God's word is life-changing. There's no aspect of the word of God that will not bless you. Praise God. You don't be a Christian who has a favorite truth. You say, well, my own favorite truth is faith. Some say righteousness. Some would say grace. Uh, there's no favorite truth. You receive all of scriptures. All scripture is given and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is what God has given us, Christ Jesus. And then um, Paul at Acts, Acts of Apostles chapter 20 says, I've not shown to declare to you the old counsel of God. The old counsel of God is the healthy diet for spiritual maturity. Once again, I welcome you to this um, teaching this morning. Let's say a word of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for illumination, light, and clarity. Thank you because our hearts are enlightened, our hearts are instructed as we look through your word today. Thank you, Father, because we receive strength and nourishment to obey every instruction and we yield ourselves to you as we ought to accordingly to act and to obey, to act on your word and to obey every instruction promptly. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Okay, so we stopped at Colossians chapter 2 yesterday and the emphasis has been that um, in guiding our hearts and working in discernment, we, we must realize that we have to be discerning towards um, men in our receiving from men. We have, to dis- we have to discern the word to men, the, the teachings of men. It, it will be more about men. Praise God. There are very few occasions or few times, rare moments where uh, you know people have encounters with angels or some spirits that you know intend to deceive them. Many of the times, um, it's true human vessels. It's true the agency of a man. Somebody you can see and touch and feel. So the devil will use men more times than you, know, you, you find him appearing as as um, appearing through false angels or fallen angels, there'll be more of, uh, you know, the ministry of deception via the agency of men. Hallelujah. So we stopped at Colossians 2 yesterday. And you saw why Paul was making that emphasis at Colossians 2. That emphasis on the fullness, the completeness, the, you know, the fact that Jesus embodies everything that we ever need. All the treasures of knowledge and wisdom is hid in Christ Jesus. We saw how the reason why Paul was making such an emphasis was because of the instructions that he was going to give. Colossians chapter 2 again, Bible says from verse 1, If I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Uh, and let me quickly clarify this. When we use the word mystery in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles of the apostles, the word mystery is about what has been revealed. Hallelujah. The mystery has been revealed. So it's no more mystery to us. It's now a revelation. So it says, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. So there's an understanding that we already have. The mystery has been revealed. That's why we're talking about an understanding. If it's mysterious, there's no understanding. Hallelujah. So to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, verse 3, in whom are even all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look at verse 4. Now this I say, therefore, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. 
So we have fullness in Christ. Christ embodies all the knowledge and wisdom of God. Is the embodiment of God's wisdom. There is nothing you need for nourishment, for growth, that you won't find in Christ. Hallelujah. So he goes to verse 5 and says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we are to continue in Christ the same way we received him. How did you receive Jesus? By receiving the gospel. By hearing the word. Hallelujah. This is why Paul gives instruction at Acts of Apostles chapter 20 verse 32. He says, And I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It's the same Paul that is talking here. And he says we should continue in Christ the same way we have received him, rooted and built up. So what builds up? The word of grace. The gospel. Hallelujah. The message of Christ. The gospel. So it's the same message. We are not looking elsewhere to find some deep things. We are not looking elsewhere to find some support or addition. We are not looking elsewhere to find some extra insight and you know tips for living. All that we ever need is found in the word of God. Hallelujah. It's found in the gospel. It's found in Christ. So it goes to verse 7. Hallelujah. Look at verse 8 rather. It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Hallelujah. That is, you are to look to Christ continually. It's in Christ you will make a discovery of the fullness and the completeness that you already have in him. Praise God. And this is the diet that brings spiritual maturity. Now listen. Um, it says, beware lest anyone cheat you. That is the decision, or re- let me say, the responsibility to beware, to you know, guard your heart, to be free from deception and errors is yours. The responsibility is yours. You have to beware. You must do it decisively to God. And then if you get to verse, look at verse 11. We didn't touch all this yesterday. You see that going on, it kept emphasizing a need to be discerning, a need to you know, stay guarded because there will be men who are on the move Um, with an attempt to deceive. Glory to God. Look at verse 11. It says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without Christ by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Look at verse 16, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, a new moon, or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So let no one judge you. You see, when he says let no one judge you, it doesn't mean there aren't going to be folks who want to judge you. It's just saying you have a choice how you receive it. Praise God. You have a choice to, you know, allow them judge you, and then you start feeling guilty, feeling sad. It's your choice to say no. Praise God. It's your choice to not believe what they say. Let no one judge you in food or in drink um, and, all, and all that, which are a shadow of the things to come. Look at verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Have you seen again? Let no, those are instructions given to you to let you know that it is your responsibility. If you are going to fall prey or victim to false teaching, it's because you did not um, take charge. 
Hallelujah. It's because you failed to take charge. It's, it's because you failed in your responsibility to guard your heart with all diligence. He says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen. Again, have you seen? Man. Hallelujah. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not undo, which all concern things we perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of who? Of men. Hallelujah. According to the commandments and doctrines of men. Hallelujah. Doctrines of what? Doctrines of men. Praise God. Doctrines of men. So it's, it's, it's going to be about men. Look at verse 22. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but have of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. It is men that will minister errors, minister deception, minister false teaching, you know, and all kinds of falsehood you can think about. It is men that will minister those things to you. Praise God. So you have to be guarded. It refers to them as commandments and doctrines of men. Praise God. Commandments and doctrines of men. It's interesting that the way um, some pastors or preachers preach from this portion of scripture verse 20 to 21 and 23 is, is the opposite of what Paul is saying here. You know, you find people build sermons on touch not, taste not, and do not, and then they make that their emphasis, and they are teaching touch not. The very thing that Paul is preaching against. Hallelujah. Paul says, if you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, we were talking about the law of Moses, uh, from the principles of the world, why as though living the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not undo. Why are you submitting yourself to such regulations? But because people fail to read in context, they just pick those regulations that Paul is saying we should not submit to. And they begin to teach from those places. That's one of the reasons why you have to, you know, guard your hearts with all diligence. There are men who hijack scriptures out of context. You see, when we talk about false teaching, errors, and deception, and all that, it is not just some eye-falutin, you know, eye-sounding words. It's not just about something from the shrine or from the occult world. Something as simple as taking scriptures out of context is something very, very dangerous. Hallelujah. As simple as it sounds, just take scriptures out of context. Read, the, read through the temptation of Jesus. You notice that the devil quoted scriptures out of context. He said to him, he has, he has said he will give his angels charge over you. They will guide you in all your ways. Just jump off the cliff. Is that how to use that scripture? Praise God. You know, it was quoting from Psalm 91, a scripture that speaks of a relationship, a walk, an intimate relationship with the Father. That's the scripture that says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Under his wings you shall take refuge. It speaks of a relationship, a walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. It says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the, most, the Lord, um, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you. Then he says, he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You see that there's a relationship that is being emphasized in this place. You know, Jesus speaking during his earth walk, Jesus speaking, he says, the son can do nothing of himself, but whatever he says, the father does what he does. He says, my father has been working and I also have been working. So Jesus is saying that he is living his life based on um, divine leadings. 
Hallelujah. Whatever I see him do is what I do. So I'm only responding to the leadings of the Father. I'm only responding to the inner inclinations of the Father, of the Spirit of God. I'm only responding to what God will have me do per time. So Jesus was not going to take any action or walk outside the will of God, just do things for the sake of, you know, showing that he is strong, he's powerful. No, he wasn't going to prove any point to anybody. He was living his life in total obedience. Hallelujah. And you know that Jesus living in perfect obedience was very key. It was very key. Bible says, and though he was a son, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to them that believe in him, to all them that obey him. Praise God. So you see, Jesus had to live a life of perfect obedience to the will of the Father. The devil took the scriptures out of context and he applied it to him. And then Jesus recognized that. And Jesus said, it's written, you are not tempted the Lord your God. Do you understand? That's tempting the Lord your God. So, taking scriptures out of context are, you know, as dangerous, they are as damnable, they are as destructive as um, the heresy in many false cults and, you know, in many cults and false sects and, and religions. They are as dangerous and deadly as that. Hallelujah. In fact, let me quickly say this. Many of the errors you're going to deal with in the body of Christ particularly will come from script, um, preachers misinterpreting the scriptures. It will come from preachers misinterpreting the Bible. Because you, 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 it, it's hard, it's rare, it's scarce to find a preacher who comes to the pulpit with the Quran or with the, um, the religious manual of Buddhist, Buddhism or Hinduism. Most times you find people reading from the Bible. Apart from some very bold and, you know, <laughs> some very bold intellectual preachers who come to the pulpit with secular books and all that, you find most people come to the, to the pulpit with the Bible. The problem is the interpretation. And most times people do not realize that the interpretation is the, is the main thing. It is not just about quoting text from the Bible. You could be quoting a whole lot of text out of context. So it's about interpreting scriptures as you ought to. That was the problem of the Jews. John chapter 5 verse 39, Jesus says, you set the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they who testify of me, but you are unwilling to come to me that you may what? That you may have life. So they were reading scriptures, they were feeding on the scriptures, and they were using the text of the Bible for other reasons. Praise God. They were using the text of scriptures for other reasons. That's the same way people are extricating Bible verses today out of their immediate context and they are giving it a different meaning entirely. That in itself is false teaching, is error, is deception, is damnable, is destructive. Hallelujah. So we must interpret scriptures in their context. Praise God. I'm working on a material, on a book, biblical words in their biblical context. Praise God. That is, we must be able to um, we must be able to establish words used in scriptures in their immediate context. There's a way words are used. Listen, words have no blanket meaning in the, in the Bible. We must interpret words in the context of appearance. Glory be to God. That's why there's such a thing as rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. Study to show yourself approved, the workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So many of the errors you're going to combat or battle with in the body of Christ today are going to be as a result of people misinterpreting, twisting, and you know, um, misapplying scriptures. Glory to God. So that in itself is very grave. So we must be aware of this. Back to Colossians chapter 2. Praise God. So you see that Paul begins, Paul continued, continued to caution the Colossian church. And by extension, you and I also continue to caution them about men, about, you know, the heresies and the falsehood that, you know, that could likely proceed from men. 
Hallelujah. And you know, I, I said this um, in one of the episodes, I, I think I said in the last one also, that we have to deal with that sentiment, that emotional attachment that makes us just open our hearts to receive indiscriminately. You just receive everything. Praise God. We just receive everything. We just receive everything. There are some set of people in the Bible that we always talk about. You find people who are not even um, emulating that kind of attitude, also referencing them. If I would say, let's be like the Berean Christians. They were not even Christians to start, you know, to start with. And that's one of the major things that makes it remarkable for me. That they were not believers and they were unbelievers. So let's see what happened to them. They were not believers, yet they were objective in their receiving. They were not just opening their hearts to just receive and then, you know, taking Paul's words for it. They went to set the scriptures to find out if those things were so. Let's see, what was the end or what, what was the result of their search? What was the result of their scrutinizing the things that Paul said and searching the scriptures to prove his words? What was the result? Did they mislead them? Did they get out of faith? Hallelujah. Did they miss out on salvation? Acts 17 from verse 11. Praise God. Bible says, okay, let me start from verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. They were, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness and shared the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They shared the scriptures. It means to investigate. It means to scrutinize. They looked through. They were trying to prove the things that Paul said to them. Look at verse 12. Bible says, Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Many of them believed. So, the end point and the result of their searching and scrutinizing and trying to prove the words of Paul was that they believed in the gospel. Have you seen that believing, um, rather, scrutinizing and testing things and searching out if things are true, trying to confirm, trying to be objective in your receiving, does not in any way make you miss out on salvation or spiritual growth? Praise God. I mean, this is, this is the uh, fear of many. People say, if we start judging and testing things now, are you sure we're not going to be missing out on what God has to say to us, on you know, how, how much God wants to bless us through that preacher? No. What it means is that if God wants to bless you through that preacher and what the preacher is saying uh, is actually true, eventually you find out those things are true and you'll be blessed. But if those things are misleading and they are false, you'll have saved yourself of the stress of subjecting your mind to falsehood. Praise God. So you will never miss out on the truth. You will never miss out on being blessed if you're objective. It is not anti-faith. Praise God. It is not anti-faith. So these guys were not even Christians. They were not believers. They were unbelievers. And Paul did not say, ah, so you are trying to test. Oh, so you, de- oh, so, uh, uh, so you think I want to deceive you, Abby? So is that what you think? That I, I left Judaism, all these things, I counted them as dung to now to come and be deceiving people? You you guys, ah, now wow, now wow, children of nowadays. Paul, you know, Paul didn't get petty and he didn't get so emotional about the whole thing. It was the right thing. Praise God. The apostles actually commended that kind of approach because that is the approach that works. You must be able to receive objectively from every man. Glory to God. And then um, let me read some other scriptures that instruct us and caution us and admonish us to beware of deception. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1 to 3. By the way, you don't want to miss the next series, the second part of this teaching. You don't want to miss it. That's where we're going to come into all this idea of, you know, receiving from people who are not sound in, in the faith, sound in doctrine. Receiving from them because, you know, there's still a lot 
to learn from them. You know, that myth of a lot. There's so much. He's not preaching the word, but there's so much. You know, it's, it's, it's always amazing when I hear people say that. He's not preaching the word, but there's still so much to learn from him. Okay, let's see. Second Thessalonians. So you don't want to miss that next series. We're going to trash all that. And you see the wisdom of God in scriptures. Second Thessalonians in chapter 2. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll read from verse 1 to 3. Bible says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter see from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Look at verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Have you seen now? It says, let no man deceive you. That's instructive. It's your duty, it's your responsibility to guard your heart to make sure no man deceives you. There are many people out there to deceive. It is your choice, it is your responsibility, it's your duty to maintain your sanity. It's your duty to let no man deceive you. Praise God. Look at, in this particular place, now this scenario, there were folks who had written some letters to the churches of, uh, to, you know, to the church at Thessalonica. They had written letters to them. They had impersonated the apostles. He says, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. There were those who had impersonated the apostles and they had written things to the church concerning the rapture, concerning the second coming of Christ. And then some of them were already afraid. Praise God. They were afraid as though Jesus had come already. He says, don't be troubled by word of letter received from us as though the day of Christ had come. Some people had written to the church telling them that Jesus is already here. Jesus had come. And of course, the implication of that is that they had missed the rapture. Praise God. So Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you. You should know better. Let no one deceive you. The day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes himself above, who exhausts himself rather, who opposes and exhausts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So Paul says it is the duty of the believer to let no one deceive him. Hallelujah. Look at First Timothy chapter 6. Glory to God. Sorry, First Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. From verse 6 to 7. First 4, 6 to 7. Look at this carefully. Bible says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Have you seen in exercising yourself towards godliness, you would have to reject certain things. It says to reject old wives' fables. Hallelujah. Reject old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. You know what? Those fables, those, those myths, those myths and fables and deceptions and errors are going to prevent you from exercising yourself towards godliness. Those fables are going to prevent you from exercising yourself towards godliness. So if you don't reject them, they're going to hinder you from growing and maturing as a Christian. Hallelujah. They're going to hinder you from maturing as a Christian. Glory to God. You must exercise yourself towards godliness. And in exercising yourself towards godliness, you must be aware that there are things you have to reject and refuse. It is not anti-God. It is not anti-scripture. It is not dishonor. Praise God. They say, I don't want to dishonor the man. No, it's not dishonor. It's not dishonor. Praise God. You can't, you know, under the guise of trying to honor a man, dishonor the word of God or dishonor God himself. I would say God has highly exalted his word above all of his names. So God's word is to be esteemed above every man. Hallelujah. That is the true honor that is taught in the Bible. 
such that we are to honor men of God because they labor in the word and doctrine. It is count them worthy of double honor who labor in the word and in doctrine. Praise God. So the, the honor is because of their labor in the word because the, the honor in, in itself is for the word of God. We esteem the word of God. So we esteem men who teach the word of God. Hallelujah. You know, there's a general honor for people. That's not honor for them because of anything they are saying. It's just normal courtesy. Honor for all men. Honor for all the people and all that. But for preachers of the gospel, the honor is for preaching the word. It's for laboring in the word and in doctrine. Have you noticed? It's not for laboring in miracles. It's not for laboring in prayers. It's not for laboring in many things. It's for the labor in the word and doctrine. Hallelujah. Because any, any other thing that, you know, is happening in the ministry, any other experience, any other, you know, aspect of ministry that is, uh, that we are receiving, that is not an offshoot of the word of God cannot be right. Praise God. That's how come people who are prayer warriors without any, uh, thorough, uh, foundation in the word of God eventually pray all sorts of prayers that are misleading, all sorts of prayers that deviate from the inspiration of the gospel. So it's about the word first. Hallelujah. Now let's see 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 to 18 also. 2 Timothy 2, 15 to 18. Bible says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at verse 16. But shun profane and I do babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. But shun, hallelujah, profane and I do babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Have you seen what is at stake? It will increase to, it will, it will lead to more ungodliness. They will increase to more ungodliness. Hallelujah. Look at verse 17. Because it's talking about false teaching, not just any kind of thing. Now verse 17 says, and their message will spread like cancer. Immanuel and Philetus are of this sort. Their message will spread like cancer. Hallelujah. Have you seen? It will permeate the whole body if we don't resist it, if we don't shun it. So the instruction is to shun it. That is the only way we're going to prevent it from spreading. Over the years in the body of Christ, because men did not learn to shun false teaching and, you know, errors and deception, it has permeated the whole system. It is everywhere. Praise God. It is everywhere today. In fact, deception has, has become such a struggle that the truth is now looking like the falsehood. The truth is looking like deception. Deception is, is sounding like truth to men. And you see, that's the critical state we are in as a church today. Praise God. But you and I can learn to shun profane and idle babblings and guard our own hearts from deception. Praise God. And then that's the only way we're going to be able to help others. Look at verse 17 again. And their message will spread like cancer. Immanuel and Philetus of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Have you seen they can overthrow your faith? Praise God. I mean, that is, uh, uh, the context here is that they destroy your mind, they ruin your mind, they ruin your belief system. Praise God. It gets to a point where you don't even know what to believe. They overthrow the faith of some. They overthrow faith in what? They have faith in the word of God. Their belief system. What they believe to be true from the word of God. We all know that the resurrection is in the future. Christ is coming and when he comes, all the saints will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. will be caught up with him. But then these guys are saying the resurrection is already past. So if you believe that kind of message, your hope in the resurrection is, is, is overthrown. Glory to God. It's overthrown. You stop looking forward to it because you feel that it's already done. It's gone. It's past. Hallelujah. Says they overthrow the faith of some. Now look at this other place. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 to 9. 2 Timothy 3 5 to 9. 
Hallelujah. Bible says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Have you seen that a lot of errors will come in association with men, in association with men, with receiving from certain people who have been corrupted by deception. From such people turn away, for of these sorts are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Praise God. Have you seen? He says they are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. And then he says, as you know, Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. I'm not sure if I got those names right. Praise God. I've always pronounced it like that. As they resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. So you see, there are men that resist the truth. Isn't it funny that those who resist the truth will never open their hearts to it? Praise God. Have you noticed that those who preach falsehood, who fight against the truth, they will never encourage their members or encourage their followers to listen to those who preach the word, to listen to those who don't, you know, preach falsehood, to listen to those who are contending for the faith and contending for the right interpretation of scriptures. They will never encourage them to do so. But it's folks who claim to know the word of God that will still say, well, there's still one or two things or there's so much to still learn from them. Hallelujah. The instructions are very clear. Turn away, turn away, turn away, shun, avoid, withdraw. Praise God. Because this is the only way to remain sane as a Christian, as a believer. Listen to me and listen good. If you open your heart to all kinds of strange influences, because you want to be all accommodating under the guise of working in honor, under the guise of, you know, just trying to bear with everybody, under the guise of trying to walk in love, under the guise of trying to maintain the unity of the Spirit as though it is your work. Praise God. The unity of the Spirit is already by the Spirit of God. It is not your work. It is not your assignment. If you open your heart to just anybody under the guise of trying to maintain the unity of the Spirit, walk in love with everybody, be at peace with everybody in the body of Christ, you, but see, by the time they are done with you, by the time the devil is true with you, because you know, that's a satanic inspiration. So by the time the devil is true with you, you will have become a shadow of yourself. It will not end in joy. It will not end in praise. It will be disastrous for you. It will be worse than the beginning. The end thereof will be in regret. You will have made the greatest mistake of your life as a Christian. I'm telling you what I know. There are many folks today who have become a shadow of themselves. There are many folks today who don't even know what to believe anymore. They are so confused and it's because they fail to heed the instruction to guard their hearts with all diligence, to not open themselves to all kinds of strange teachings, all kinds of strange and funny influences. We all have been called into one spirit, one hope, one calling, one God, one Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? There's a whole lot of oneness. We are one in Christ Jesus. Now, the way to maintain that oneness in our relationship is not to compromise the truth. It is to maintain the truth of the word of God. You see at Ephesians chapter 4, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, that we be no more children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So we can't be talking about maintaining or walking in the unity of the faith outside um, an accurate presentation of the word of God, outside doctrinal unity. There must be doctrinal unity for us to walk in the unity of the spirit that we already have in Christ Jesus. Praise God. So, you don't open your heart to all kinds of deception, all kinds of teachers, and you are listening indiscriminately under the guise of trying to maintain the unity of the spirit. You are going to end up confused and misled. You see, the only path to spiritual sanity is the path of walking in biblical discernment. Praise God. Testing and judging the things you receive, holding fast to what is good 
after you have proven them to be true from scriptures. Hallelujah. So we have come to the close of this study for now. We'll come back to it sometime later. On Monday, we're going to start a new study. You're going to find out what that is over the weekend. Praise God. Don't forget to tune in. Invite your friends, family members, colleagues. And then don't forget also to drop your testimonials. You could send a comment, send send an email. Let us know how much this broadcast is blessing you. Praise God. And then um, don't forget to have a great weekend of being full of the word, full of the spirit, full of spiritual songs, full of faith and power. And don't forget to be a blessing to somebody. And um, go to church on Sunday. Praise God. See you in the next episode.